it all comes down to intentionality. If you care about something, you're going to make it a priority. So anything that's a priority for my life, it lands on the calendar and everything else gets built around it. So if people matter to you, then your intentionality towards those people need to be, they need to go on the calendar first Mm. and everything else then needs to land around those things that are important. And you'll learn real quickly by looking at your calendar, who's important to you Mm. and how you're treating those individuals and what kind of relationship you can expect. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. I have a returning guest who honestly is probably one of the most impactful, influential humans in my life. And I wish we had five hours to record today. He was actually here on episode 200, which feels like forever ago, but I think this is going to be like episode 350, which is crazy, believe it or not. But I met this gentleman um, in 2020, and I was looking for a very specific need in my life. And Chris Harder um, was brought to me actually by my wife. She's like, hey, maybe we should have, you know, join this guy's mastermind. And I didn't really fully understand, you know, what Chris was, who Chris was. But when I look over the last three years and conversations and dinners and memories and even, you know, moments that have impacted my life in just a huge way, many of those, a big percentage of those have Mr. Chris Harder in it. So I'm super grateful for you being here and being in my life, man. Hey, listen, I want to echo all that sentiment back to when you said 2020, I'm like, no, he's got to have that wrong. How has it only been since 2020? No, I I would say I'll stick my stake in the ground and say you are by far one of my best friends, one of my favorite humans. I love you to death. I feel like I've known you forever. Uh, You know, everything from our our guys golf trips when we pick a different destination each year to just when I want to call you and jam on any kind of challenge I'm having or, or help you with the challenge you're having. You're one of those people that when you step into people's lives, everyone's lives get better. So it's the the entire journey has been has been my pleasure, buddy. Yeah, been super fun. Um, and even before we hit record, we're like 20 minutes into our call and, and we just hit record. So I'm like, man, you're just a your wealth of knowledge. But I specifically asked you to come here today because you have a new business that you're launching, which we're gonna get into. And I think it's a business that is going to change the world. You obviously think it's going to change the world, but as you always say, you know, when 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 good people make good money, they do great things. And this whole business idea is just something that that I can see. Um, I can just see you light up, yeah. and I'm excited about it. But before we get into that, I have some tactical questions that I want to ask you really quick, selfishly, and also for the audience because I've found some themes coming up recently, and I think you have the answer for them. So is that okay? Yeah, let's do, let's do it. Yeah. So question number one, I've watched you like kind of in a creepy, almost stocky way. Like I've studied you um, from a human element for the last three years. You manage relationships and probably more relationships than most people ever could. And, and I don't see you managing them from a CRM perspective. Like, you know, I need to set myself a reminder or any of that kind of stuff. So I've just been, I've been thinking about you lately. How do you how do you manage so many relationships so well? It's interesting. I would start by saying this. It's because they matter a lot to me. Uh, one, to have really good people in your life is the best spice of life, right? So why not compile as many really good people as possible? Because life is just going to be better. But two, relationship capital is one of the most important capitals that we can have, right? People always talk about capital, capital. I'm sure a lot on this show, especially. But I would take, if you said, Chris, you can only have one out of the following two capitals, good old-fashioned capital capital, right, money, or relationship capital, I would take relationship capital. Because when you're broke, when you're starting over, when you have an idea, when you need help, all of those things can be solved with the right relationships. Someone's going to say, hey, I know you're just starting this thing. You got no money. Um, I will do your website for you because you've always done things for me. Or they're going to say, hey, listen, I'll run your ads for you for a while. Instead of you going out and hiring someone for thousands of dollars a month, or, hey, I really believe in your startup. I'll give you some, some investment money towards it. Like relationship capital is the best thing that you can possibly have. And aside from 
it helping you from a monetary standpoint? How about from a, a support standpoint? I don't know about you, but there are plenty of days when I feel like kicked and laying down on the curb and you need someone to kick you back in the game. You need someone to pick you up. You need someone to be like, no, man, listen, I believe in you or I believe in this idea or remember back when you were enthusiastic. Let's pull that out again. That is also one of the most important forms of relationship capital is people that keep you focused when your natural human tendencies take over and try and derail you. You've got to have great people in your life that you're going to listen to to do that. So it comes from a place of wanting to optimize uh, the best relationships that I could possibly have in my life. The how, you said you want to ask tactical questions. Here's some of the how. Um, this is going to sound like an oxymoron because your question is framed as, man, I see you with so many people, knowing so many people, doing things or, or giving to so many people. But the first thing that you got to become really good at is you got to have a good no muscle. If If you're saying yes to everybody, even if it's from a good place, then your good intention is going to cause you to show up poorly because you've stretched yourself too thin. So you may want to be a good friend. You may want to be a good business partner. You may want to be a good mentor. But if you stretch yourself too, too thin, despite your good intentions, you're going to show up lacking. And so you got to have a really good no muscle and be laser focused on who you want in your life and who you don't. And I got to credit my wife, Lori, for really leading by example with that and really helping me to build that muscle. The, I think the second tactical how is you can't you can't expect to have all these relationships in life that want to you know reciprocate and, and help support you if you're not doing that first. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a slippery slope. I am not advocating that you do nice things for people just so that they do nice things back. But it is an absolute fact that if you want quality people who will add quality to your life, you must first add quality to their life. So I'm always looking, hey, what does Mike need right now? Mike, how much money are you raising right now? Who might I know that wants to invest in, in the parks that you guys are buying right now? I'm constantly, everybody that I care about, I have an inventory in my head of what they need or what they're struggling with right now or what their current challenge is. And I'm trying to figure out who can I pair them to that might be able to solve that challenge for them. Oh, you need a copywriter? I got one. Oh, you need a, a heck, a, a men's coach, a counselor? I got one. Uh, oh, you need a, a bank that is lenient on underwriting to buy that next home investment? Hey, I got one. So I'm constantly keeping this inventory in my head, trying to match make, if you will, the people I care about and their needs and the people I know that might be able to help solve those needs. So that's another piece of the tactical. And, and here's a third piece. I wake up every day and I text just a few people something really like just custom to them. It takes no more than a minute and a half to text two, three people, something really custom to them. And um, I do it just to kind of brighten their day and to remind them that I'm thinking of them. Mm -hmm. I don't, you can't go six months and have never reached out to somebody and then think that your relationship is going to be the same. You must make an intentional effort to at, at a minimum, Say, hey, I'm thinking of you and, and wanted to brighten your day, right? Yeah. So, matter of fact, I shared one of them on Instagram yesterday. I literally shared something that I texted a friend. And I'm going to pull it up real quick here, yeah. if you don't mind. It yeah, was one of my random texts. And obviously, I, I blurted out who the, the friend's name was. Um, because, you know, it's also private to the people. But I'll tell you what I sent them. I sent them. Here it is. I said, hey, you know, this is out of the blue. One of my morning texts, I said, hey, good morning. A fact for the day. In my 45 years of evidence so far, one certainty is that even the most significant, bleak challenges I've faced have always turned out exponentially better than I expected. Hmm. Now, I sent that to a friend who I know is just going through a couple of challenges right now. Out of the blue. It's caring enough, instead of just waking up and, and going about your day surviving, it's caring enough about a few people every morning to reach out and say, hey, I know you're going through a capital raise right now, cheering you on. Hey, I know you're going through something tough right now. Here's, a, here's some insight. Or simply, hey, buddy, you haven't talked in a while. Make it a great week. Those yeah. things go a really long way. So good. I, I love it. And so what, one more tactical question on that front, just because, again, I, I want to I dissect this. So do you... 
how, when you're with people, you're, you're very like, when you're with me, you're with me. Mm-hmm. I've, I've noticed that when you talk about being a connector, um, are you just, are you just at cataloging all of that in your head? I know that yeah. sounds like a crazy question, but you just have like this supernatural ability to just like keep track of everyone. Yeah. And it's not even a supernatural ability and it wasn't natural to me to do it. Okay. Uh, a good friend of mine, Lewis Howes told me years ago, seven, eight years ago, I asked him same question you asked me. I said, buddy, you seem to know everybody and everybody seems to know you. And I've never seen somebody so connected and, and just like, so in it with relationships. How do you do that? And he told me seven, eight years ago, he goes, you know, I wake up every day and I just try to keep a running inventory in my head of who do I care about that has a need and who do I know that can solve that need? And if you do that consistently enough, putting other people first like that, then eventually it's going to reciprocate back around to you. And that stuck with me. That advice seven, eight years ago is how I built this muscle, is why I started waking up every day saying, you know what? I already like connecting. I already care about people. I want a great network. I think this is one simple thing that I can wake up and be intentional about every day to be able to really expand and amplify that network. So yeah. any any of us can build that muscle. You guys listening can take that advice right now and start practicing tomorrow when you wake up. Who do I know that has a need and who do I know that can solve it? So good. I've made a habit of, you know, if I think about you, I try to pause for 15, 20 seconds and just send a message out. But I love that you're intentional about doing that every day because, and and I kind of assumed that when I was asking the question, but it's a muscle that we can develop. So that's really cool. I was having a conversation yesterday with an amazing human that you introduced me to, um, Rob Murgatroyd. Yeah. And one of the things like with investing for freedom, and I've actually struggled with this with my marketing guy to some degree, because investing for freedom to me, the most important thing about investing for freedom, the most important part of freedom, I've kind of summed this up with like REM, not not like the band, but relationships, experiences, memories. Like that's I thought you're gonna the, go. I thought you meant the band. No, like one of their songs. Yeah, um, relationships, experiences, and memories. And it's like I, that's why I think this was. Um, I was so excited to ask this question because you've just you've shown me so much when it comes to like you know nurturing, fostering, developing relationships. It's huge. You know, I, I, the only thing I'd add to that too is it all comes down to intentionality. If you care about something, you're going to make it a priority. So anything that's a priority for my life it lands on the calendar and everything else gets built around it. So for example, when we record this right now, it is what, May? We're in mid-May right now. Mm-hmm. You and I, my brother and another good friend of ours, Kyle, we have a date on the calendar to go to Pebble Beach in October, months and months and months and months away. Mm-hmm. Everything else is getting planned around that. You know, I actually have four trips already in October booked. Um And all of those other trips got planned around that trip that matters. So if people matter to you, then your intentionality towards those people need to be, they need to go on the calendar first Mm. and everything else then needs to land around those things that are important. And you'll learn real quickly by looking at your calendar, who's important to you Mm. and how you're treating those individuals and what kind of relationship you can expect. If you were to go through your calendar right now and look and see what's on there, is it nothing but meetings or do you have, I've got mom dates on there where I take my mom, not other people's mom, where I take my mom out on a mom, you know, Sun date. Um, I've got, oh God, I used to have family date days when both mom and dad were alive. Um, Of course, I just talked about the trip I've got on there with you and I got tons of other trips like that on there. I've got uh, dates with Lori already booked on the calendar. Like you can look at my calendar and you can tell what's a priority, not just a bunch of meetings. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you say that. I remember I went in 2000, the year 2000, I went to a Franklin Covey symposium. Um, It was, and we were going through what matters most. I don't know if you remember that. But one of the things that the guy that was facilitating said, he said, you need to carve out time, you know, dates with your kids, date night with your wife. And at first when I heard that, and I was pretty young at this point in time, I'm like, it seems weird to me that you need to like schedule time in for your wife. But the more I thought through and your kids and everything else, the more I thought through that, the more it's like, so this has been a thing for me, but I've also taken it to another level because what I used to do and what I hear you saying that drives it home even more, you know, I have very detailed calendar stuff scheduled throughout my day, but then five o'clock, it just ends and it's just white space that nobody can book, but you wouldn't actually see 
you know, date with Kate and on there, date with Kara. And so I really started trying to schedule that too, because I need to see, I, I call it interrogating my calendar. Yeah. Because when I interrogate my calendar, it's going to tell me what's important to me and what's not. And usually if I'm in a place that I'm unhappy or, you know, I don't have the right people in my life or I'm too busy or I, my business isn't progressing. It's because I have the wrong things on my calendar. Yeah. It's so true, man. What matters most to you will go on your calendar first and everything else will get booked around it. And by the way, for people that hear that, they're like, yeah, but you don't understand how busy I am. Yeah. You, you don't understand the number of things I'm, I got to do right now. Listen, I had a boss a long time ago. His name was Steve. Steve was this six foot five white guy, red hair, intimidating dude that used to play for the Portland Trailblazers. And he, I, I had a love-hate relationship with him because he was one of my toughest bosses ever. And he would give us these ridiculous deadlines. This was back when I worked at HSBC. And I once said to him, I'm like, man, why do you give us these ridiculous deadlines that you know are almost impossible to meet? And he said, because if I give you a container this big, now if you're listening, picture my hand spread out, or if I give you a container this big, you're going to get the same amount of work and impact done in whatever size container you leave yourself. And that stuck with me. Yeah. I realized that's not just for work, that's for life. Yeah. So you can't say, geez, I, I can't put these trips or I can't put these, these family dates on the calendar because there won't be room for work. No, there's going to be plenty of room. You're just going to condense the amount of impact into a smaller container instead of letting it swell to expand to a larger container. You're going to get the same amount of input done or output, I should say. Yeah. One last question on this, and then we'll kind of divvy off a different direction. But um, I keep referring to my marketing guy, and I think it's just because I've I've learned so much from you watching you. This guy that I worked with for a long time, he was always trying to get me to build like you know the seven levels of freedom, and and I, I'll probably you know still work on that. But when I really come back to it, the thing that I keep landing on is the forms of freedom, and it's not necessarily financial is one of them. But when I'm hearing you say this, like for me, financial freedom. Um, relationship freedom, time freedom, geographic. Um, this is all stuff that really matters to me. And again, you're probably, when we talk about being busy, you, you're you a pretty busy guy. Um, but I've also watched, you know, how intentional you are about spending time at certain houses and time with certain people and what you're talking with the calendar and all of this. And so I want to I want to acknowledge that because I think some people could say, oh, well, Chris is, you know, successful. And I think sometimes in people's heads, they think, well, you know, Chris has money or Chris has already found success and so good for him. But I want to touch on this before we dive into everything else. You've had some challenges in your life too. And for oh, those yeah. that maybe didn't listen to episode 200, why don't we just touch on that briefly? I mean, everybody has challenges at all times in their life. Um, you know, dad passed away unexpectedly in 2020 and, and had to figure, okay, what do we do with mom now? Right. That, that was one of the craziest challenges ever. Uh, now, you know, starting a, a tech company and tech is not my thing. So I had to go out and find the right partner and the right team and, and learn how to raise capital in my way, in my style. That's a challenge. Um, you know, things like uh, health challenges. Uh, my mom went through incredible health challenges for all of 2018, 2019. We're talking like major, major things that were a big commitment of our time to go and and, and help her with. Um, everybody, no matter where they're at, they're battling something, mm -hmm. whether it's a small challenge for the day or whether it's a great big like life-altering challenge. And I think this is why you can't just look at humans from the outside and say, hey, they've got it all figured out. I think you have to look at humans and assume that for every blessing they have, they're also working on a challenge mm -hmm. and then have some compassion towards everybody, whether you're walking by a homeless person or whether you're walking by who appears to be a billionaire. You need to assume that they, both of those individuals, believe it or not, they have a certain number of blessings and a certain number of challenges and they're working through both of them. And you just mm -hmm. gotta treat people with that type of compassion. And all of a sudden you understand humans a little bit more. That's good. You brought up your partner. And one of the things that uh, I'm in a commun community called GoBundance, which I think you, you actually have a podcast. It's not out yet, but I think you, you, it's coming up, right? The podcast. Yeah, soon. yeah perfect. Um, I was just speaking to this group two days ago. And one of the things that I see over and over, there's a couple of concepts out there. Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy came up with one of them, um, Who Not How. Mm -hmm. And they actually just came out with another book, 10X is Easier Than 2X. When we start hearing all of this and we really want to expand, and you mentioned your business partner, the thing that I heard in this room that I was facilitating the other day, so many people get stuck at a level 
where they don't know, you know, they're trying to hire somebody, but even at a, I mean, there's certain positions when we really want to scale that yes, we could go out and hire it, but we really need a partner. And the question that came up the other day over and over, and you mentioned this before we started recording is like, how do I find the right partner? And I know you found an amazing partner for what you're working on. Can you give us some advice around that? Because I think this will solve a lot of people's challenges. Yeah, without a doubt. So I almost think I got to tell the story of the app that we're building right now for it to make sense why and how I found this partnership. Do you care if I go back like and, yeah, and just kind of lead people down this path? Let's do it because I think, you know, that's the main reason I wanted to have you back on is talk about this because I think it's going to change a lot of lives. Yeah, this will make the partnership make a lot more sense. So, you know, when you've got a, a, a brand, got a personal brand, right? And, and a podcast. And when you've got a personal brand that's built around generosity and the common thread that generosity plays in people's success stories, it naturally invites a lot of people to slide into your DMs and say, hey, here's my hardship. Could I have some money? Here's my hardship. Could you lend me some money? And because I would get so many, and Mike, I'm talking like probably 100 a month, I had to come up with a personal policy that said, I'm not going to give in the DMs because I don't know what's real, what's fake. I don't know, you know, how could I possibly meet everyone's needs? So Lori and I just committed, hey, we're going to give in ways that are verifiable. Mm. That being said, despite having that personal policy, just about three and a half years ago, sitting at my place in, in Santa Monica at the time, going through Instagram, and I got a physical feeling. And I don't know how else to say that, a real physical feeling that like came down through my head, into my heart, and said, hey, open this one message and answer it. Mm-hmm. So I did. I just followed that, that feeling. And it was a landscaper. He said, hey, Chris, I listened to your show. I'm grateful for everything you put out there. I'm really embarrassed to send this to you. But I'm two payments behind on my landscape truck. And if I don't come up with $680 in the next few days, they're going to repossess it. And if they repossess it, not only will I lose my business, but worse yet, there's two guys that work for me. They're great guys and they're going to lose their jobs. Is there any way that you would lend me 680 bucks? And because I was just following a feeling, despite my personal policy of I'm not going to give money into DMs, I, I responded. I said, hey, listen, I'm sorry that you're having a tough time. I won't lend you the money. I will give you the money. And all I ask in return is that you work hard to put yourself in position to do this for somebody else down the road one day, pay it forward. I believe in you. And that was it. And so I PayPal'd him the money. And I thought I'd never hear from this guy again in my life. Was was it real? Was it a scam? I don't know. I didn't care. I was just following the feeling. Yeah. So a couple months go by and I hear from this guy again, slides right back into the DMs. I thought, oh boy, here we go. Like I, I opened up Pandora's box, but no, it wasn't him asking for more money. He said, hey, I wanted to give you an update. I wanted to let you know what happened that day that you sent me that money. You know, I took the money and I got current on the truck and those guys kept their job and that's great. But something else happened. He said, when you asked me that in return, all you wanted was for me to put myself in position to do this for somebody else one day and that you believed in me, he goes, that lit a fire in me like I've never felt before. And I've gone absolutely crazy crazy getting as many new landscape accounts as possible to the point where I'm now buying a second truck and I'm going to hire two more guys. And I just thought you should know what came of this. And Mike, I couldn't believe it. I still get chills when I tell the story for the 10,000th time today. This was no accident. I mean, 680 bucks, that's it. It was the difference between this guy going out of business and two other guys losing their jobs or this guy catching fire and, and creating two additional jobs for the for the economy. So that became the seed that was planted in me where I'm like, I've got to solve this problem. I've got to be able to find all the people who have nowhere else to turn to the point where they're DMing someone who has a podcast that they listen to. Let that, yeah. let that sink in for a moment. I've got to find those individuals. And I need to matchmake them to the guys like you and I that would say, hey, you know what? I'll help you out. I'll lend you a little bit of money. And then how do I incentivize guys to do that at scale? And that became this two-sided marketplace, this Uber, if you will, for personal loans. And so we're matchmaking people that have a quick, urgent financial need with people that are willing to lend them the money for a nice, quick return. It's an absolute win-win. We even insure the, the lenders so that they can't lose. Like We have thought everything through on this thing, and this is going to change personal banking forever and ever. Now, here's the problem. Sounds like a great, wonderful, romantic story so far, right? I've got this seed planted in me. 
Nothing in my life outside of my family has ever meant more than, than figuring this out. Except the problem is I don't know anything about tech. I, I hate tech. Matter of fact, if something goes wrong with my, my TV, my brother has to come over and like fix it and get it figured out for me. That's how <laughs> much I am not tech-minded. Yeah. So how in the heck am I going to build this thing? This gets into the partnership you asked about. I had a dear friend. We had developed a friendship over the, the past few years prior to this. We actually met in a mastermind. Um, and actually, we met in Rob Murgatroyd's mastermind, the guy that you brought up earlier. Wow. And so, you know, first just became friends and, and knew what each other stood for. And I knew that Matt was just finishing up the sale of his tech company, big nine-figure tech company that he sold. And so I went to him with the idea and I said, Matt, listen, here's the vision. This means the world to me. I don't have the, the tech skills to bring this to life. I've got all the other skills. I'll make this popular. I'll make this thing famous. I'll raise capital out the, the wazoo, but I don't know anything about tech, nor do I want to. Would you partner with me on this? You've got all the complementary skills that I don't. Now, Matt was pretty tired because he had just finished up his due diligence, which was grueling if you've ever sold a company before. And when his competitor bought his company, um, they said, we want your tech, we want your IP, we want your customers, but we don't want your team. So Matt being the good guy that he is, he went to his team and said, hey, congratulations, we sold the company, we got across the finish line, but they're not going to continue your employment. And as a thank you for getting us across the finish line as a team, I'm going to pay all of your salaries for the next two years whether you want to stay home and do nothing, you've earned it. Whether you want to go get a job and double dip, no problem, you've earned it. Or, heck, who knows, maybe somebody will come along one day and, and uh, give us a project to work on together because we know we worked you know, well together. And sure enough, who is that person? It's me. Right at that time, I'm coming along. Matt, 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 you got to help me with this thing. So Matt says, listen, I love the vision. And if you can sell my team on it, then we're in. So I pitched his team. They loved the altruistic side of it. And we have been off to the races as 50-50 business partners on this thing for a little bit more than a year now. And we are on a rocket ship. Now, the first part of the answer to your question, Mike, is what are the keys to finding that right partner or to filling those gaps when you, you're not good at something? You kind of heard the first keys, and that was go out and get somebody who has the experience, who has the know-how who has the skill sets that are complementary to you. Mm -hmm. But now this is where it gets tricky. When you've got opposite personalities, hence opposite skill sets, yeah. many times people think, hey, this is great. You're good at ABC. I'm good at one, two, three. We're a match made in heaven and off to the races we go. But that's not true because I've been in a partnership like that before. When I owned part of a mortgage bank back in uh, 09, 10, and 11, the same thing kind of transpired, except it was a different partner coming to me. Guy named Todd at the time came to me and he said, Hey man, listen, I uh, heard you lost your job today. That's when I lost my job with HSBC during the recession. I think you should come over here, be my business partner in this little mortgage brokerage I have at the time, because you're really good at the things I'm not good at. And I'm really good at the things that you're not good at. And together, I think we could really make this thing special. Well, he was right. Over the next 36 months, we blew that thing up. When everyone else is closing their doors, we had 155 employees in seven states lending $330 million a year of our own money. But here's the problem. Those complementary skill sets, aka those opposite personality types, the bigger we got, the more it exposed the differences in our, our leadership and in our goals. Mm. And it became toxic. I mean, toxic. Mm. To the point where I sold out all my shares to, to him and got out of there at that point, even though we were on a rocket ship because I didn't want to be there anymore. So I didn't want that to happen this time. So when Matt said, hey man, I'm in, this sounds good. I said, okay, good. Glad you're committed to this, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Miami for a few days and we're going to bring a friend with us who knows us both very well. That's Darren. And we're going to spend those few days sitting down, talking about every single place that this could go wrong. Every personality trait that we have, the triggers that we have, the habits that we have, the non-negotiables that we have. Like I've got my protected time in the morning. 
And he's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. So it really makes it tough. But I'm not giving up my protected time in the morning. So we have to start meetings late. We talked about all of these things ahead of time instead of saying, yeah, man, off to the races, we're a great fit. And then having these things rear their ugly head, having him say, yeah. what are you talking about? You can only meet from, you know, <laughs> one o'clock to, to four o'clock East Coast time. Yeah. When you disclose these things ahead of time, when you put everything on the table, when you say, hey, here's what might trigger me about you. Here's what might trigger you about me. Here's my non-negotiables. Here's what I'm not changing. Here's where, I, where I'm at in life. Like, here's, here's a great one that he said to me. He said, listen, man, I'm tired. You know what it's like to, to sell a, and build a, a multiple nine-figure company? And he had no dilution. So he got the whole nut himself, right? But he built it over 14 years. Mm. He goes, I am tired. I don't want to rush into another business. But this is actually so exciting that I'm willing to do this if our number one um, core value is that we keep it fun the whole time. Hence, sitting at a five-star hotel in Miami to have this meeting. Yeah, he said, "If you promise to keep this fun, then I'll be happy, and 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 we'll do this. If this becomes unfun or grueling at any point, he's like, I'm not signed up for that. Yeah. So now we keep everything fun. We don't have regular meetings. We have fun meetings. We have regular calls. We have fun calls. We don't like. We have rethought what it looks like to work hard, be on a rocket ship, but to be on a a fun rocket ship." Because that meant the world to him, and he disclosed that ahead of time. So taking that time, taking that pause, not just saying, hey, great, you're good at one, two, three, I'm good at ABC, we're a perfect fit, and getting everything on the table is crucial mm. to having a good partnership down the road. I love that. I've had three partnerships, and all of them, well, one of them kind of ended bad. The other two, they, they ended well. But we were we were partners because of skill set, like you said. And I came away from my first business we started in 04 and we sold in 2014. And the reason why my brain started going down the road of selling was because Karen and I wanted some long-term things in our life that we just weren't aligned. And so I just really realized that even though we were amazing partners when it came to skill sets, working together, um, all those things, we weren't aligned values-wise. No. No. And you just gave me like so many little checkpoints. I love that you guys went and spent a day together because all of those are values conversations, right? Yeah. And I've, I've, I've identified that like in order to be a great partnership, you, one of my mentors said, if two partners have the same strength, one of them is not needed. Yep. That's a, that's a great, I mean, that's one great checkpoint that I always used, but the value side of it is what will keep you together um, in the long run. And so I love I love the depth that you went into with that on the value side. We spent three days hashing those things out poolside. And I'll tell you what, um, it is not enough to just have really complimentary skill sets. That's mm -hmm. just like entrance into the game. Yeah. What When push comes to shove, when it becomes live fire, that's when the intangibles rear their ugly heads or get you through that battle. Yeah. And that's when like, for example, if he says, hey, man, I'm at the stage in life where I just show up to meetings three, four, five minutes late. It's how I am. It's how I, I don't plan on changing that. If he says that to me ahead of time, now, and I accept that and we move forward on the partnership. Now, I cannot be upset if he's five minutes late for a Zoom call because, yeah. hey, he told me, if we do this, I'm going to be five minutes late most of the time. Yeah. Or if I said, hey, I got my protected time in the morning. It's when I work out, pray, meditate, take a walk with my wife and fill my cup first so I can be a badass version for you later, then he can't be upset when, when they want to book a, a meeting. I'm like, sorry, bro, protected time. Yeah. So when you accept these things ahead of time, yeah. then you don't have the right to get upset at them when what somebody tells you is truth ends up being truth. Yeah. You know, in that first business too, and I, I want to share this quickly. Um, the reason why we ended up selling was because Kara, Kara had set this thing. She came to me in 2012 and she said in 2022, when our daughter graduates, which is our youngest, which was last year. So she's looking 10 years down the road. She's like, I want to take a year off. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Whatever. Got 10 years figured out. But then I started realizing she was serious. And so I started having this conversation with my partner and I actually came to him and I said, Hey, I think we should hire a general manager. And you know what he said to me? Hmm. He's like, what are you going to do? That's like, that's like where his like thinking was. And, and going backwards, the writing was on the wall because when we first started our business in 2004 and Chris, I don't think I've ever told you this, but when we started the business in 2004, it was exploding. 
And in, I think it was 2005, we had so much work going on. We didn't have enough employees. We had three huge construction projects going, didn't have enough staff. And it was Kara's grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary Hmm. in Wyoming. And Kara's like, I want to go to this for five days, whatever. So I go to my partner and I'm like, Hey, I'm taking five days off. And he's like, you can't leave right now. Like we're on deadlines. I'm like, I'm going. Um, So, you know, I've got general contractors yelling at me. My partner's like, you can't go. I ended up going anyway, Chris, which, you know, my values were like, I wanted to be a present dad. I want to be a present husband. Like, I don't want my business to control my life. I never did. So we take this trip and the whole time my phone is blowing up, ringing off the hook, emails. He's like, you got to get back. And so I told Kara, I said, hey, I'm going to go to the anniversary on Friday night. And I'm going to book a plane ticket back home Saturday morning. I'm going to fly out. She said, fine. I went to the anniversary dinner and party. She dropped me off at the airport. And then they were coming home Monday night and they, we drove. So they were driving back home and her sister was driving the last hour and a half and she wasn't paying attention. And she drove off the side of the freeway going 85 miles an hour and Uh rolled. Yeah. Rolled the car. And the kid, they all ended up getting like transported to Salt Lake and they were in, Kara was in the hospital for a few days. Like the kids were, I think the kids were at that point in time, like five, three and one. And when you talk about values, like, you know, I've gotten out of balance a couple of times, but that was one of those moments where, you know, I realized like, and you fast forward like another, you know, eight years or 10 years or whatever. And I'm leaving this business because our values didn't align. You know, he's one of those guys that doesn't matter if it's a hundred hours a week, you know, business comes first, customer comes first. And I'm just not, I'm, I'm not aligned with that. My family comes first, you know, my, my priorities are my priorities. And, um, that that's how important these conversations are. Yeah, they really are. I mean, first and foremost, we're not put here to build businesses. We're put here to live a life and create good memories, building great businesses, assist in living a great life and creating more memories. Mm -hmm. But when your values are out of whack, you know, I remember the, the Todd, my business partner in a mortgage bank, his values were he had to see you working as long as he was there working. And then he thought you weren't doing anything if he couldn't physically see you, right? That's not my values. My values are what I learned from Steve years prior to that, that, hey, you give me a container this big or this big, I'm going to get the same amount of output done. So I'm going to do it in a smaller container than you. And so those values didn't align. I wanted to live some life and he didn't. And so it's the number one thing that you have to get more so than skill sets that you have to make sure is, is aligned as your values. Yeah. And goals and goals. Yeah, totally. Let's circle back to the app. I want to be cognizant of your time because I think we could go forever. Um, I love the story and I love what the app is. Let's let's dive into it a little deeper. And one of the things, you know, so I would say my audience is 50-50 here. And I was thinking about this as you were saying it earlier. 50% of, it's not an exact 50%, but 50% of my audience is actually looking, um, you know, to invest. They're looking for investment options. They're accredited investors. And I think the other half are wanting to, you know, quit their W-2 job. They're looking to start businesses. They're looking to get into investing. And when you were talking about your business partner and that exit, I was like, okay, half my audience is going to want to talk to Chris about working for them. So when they exit, they can, you know, have two years paid and the other half is going to want to invest in your business. (laughs) um, I want to take an opportunity. Just let's, let's pull this together because you're raising capital right now and it's a super intriguing opportunity. Yeah, it really is. We're building a unicorn, right? Come, come hell or high water we're building a unicorn. And that's not just like, oh, this is our goal. Like at first we were like, eh, maybe we got these exit points where we'll exit at a half a billion. Now, everyone we talk to who's educated in space, who's built and sold tech companies, like, no, this, this is talking. Now I want to say a couple of things and I mean, I just want to preface this by saying, I mean these as humbly as possible. And I'm just repeating what other people said. Yeah. So I sat down with a, a tech entrepreneur that owns a, a hedge fund. He said, I feel like I'm sitting with Travis Kalnick the first days that he was telling someone about Uber. Wow. And I just had a, uh, a A-list celebrity who's also an investor um, in, in startups, right? Say, Chris, I've known you for a lot of years. This is your magnum opus. This is your calling. This is the unicorn. And the number of individuals who have been there, done that, that say, this is the 
biggest disruption in fintech. This is going to change human behaviors and personal banking. We know now where we're going with this thing. It's just a matter of how quickly can we get there. And so we're we're doing a, a strategic seed round right now where we're looking for individuals that either have some audience that would have our lenders. Because remember, we're a two-sided marketplace, lenders and borrowers. Mm-hmm. So people that want to lend 500 bucks, 400 bucks, 1,000 bucks, and make a quick 10, 15% return on that money, but do it multiple times a year. So think about the math on this one, Mike. Yeah. If you made 10%, a 10% loan for four weeks, and then you made that same loan because they paid you back in four weeks, every four weeks, you'd actually make 120% return on your money. Yeah. Actually bigger if you kept reinvesting the profits and it compounded. Yeah. So we're creating an opportunity for people on the investing side, unlike anything else out there. And remember, we're insuring it with an aggregate pool that we've created so that if someone stiffs them on the principal, we're paying back the lost principal. So it's a it's a can't-lose situation on the lender side. On the borrower side, we're keeping them out of, out of payday loan stores, predatory payday loan stores. We're getting them money without shame, without worry, real quickly, because everyone's going to bid on their need. No one's going to get left behind because we're insuring those loans. Yeah. So like, this is the biggest win-win in the history of win-wins in the personal finance space. So yeah. when I say we're looking for strategic investors, we're looking for people, they may have the lenders in their audience. They may have the borrowers in their audience. They may have tech expertise. They may have capital raising expertise. They may just be really great at running companies. And we would love to be able to, to ping them because now they have some skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of investors that we're looking for. They're going to get multiples like they have never seen in their lives when this goes, when we finally exit. And what I love about investing in startups, so Lori and I invest in five startups every year. And I'll actually share our system for people that like investing in startups. But first, let me start with this. What I love about investing in startups is it's the highest risk out there. We have to acknowledge that. But it is also has the highest upside. You don't 2x your money. You don't 3x your You 50x your money or 100x your money when you pick the right one. I mean, I'm personally involved in one right now that's going to have an IPO early next year, and we'll probably 100x our investment. I can't tell you how exciting that is. Yeah. So that's why it excites me to invest in startups because the returns, the multiples are massive, and you're supporting individuals' dreams, helping them get to marketplace bigger, faster, stronger, that changes lives for people who are suffering. Mm. So you're making your money on the backs of people fixing what's wrong in the world. There's nothing better than that. That's the best place from a a altruistic side to put your money, right? Yeah. You're putting your money behind solutions that wouldn't exist without you investing in it. So yeah, great multiple, huge returns, but you're also doing something good with your money. Mm. Now, here's how Lori and I invest in startups. Four out of five are going to go wrong. They're, They're probably not going to ever have an exit. So you have to be really good at choosing the right ones. We invest about the same amount of money in each startup, five startups per year. Why do we do five startups per year? Because if four out of five are going to fail, that means in theory, one out of five are going to hit. So every year, starting five years down the road, and it's never that perfect, right? Might be four years, might be six years, but in theory, every year now, we'll have one out of five pop, one out of five hit, get acquired. Mm -hmm. And that means we're getting this big seven-figure paycheck each year from these other companies that are exiting Yeah, because we just planted some seeds four or five years earlier. So four out of five are going to fail. One out of five are going to hit. Every year, we're able to predict that we're going to get a big check. When you systematize it like that, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 20... In five years, 20, 25, 20 are failing, five are crushing it. It makes yep, sense. Exactly. And so it, it gets bigger than that. We have four criteria to decide, hey, which ones are going to hit and, and which ones aren't. It works like this. Number one, it's got to be the founders. They have to have been there, done that already. So for example, Matt, my business partner, already built and sold multiple nine-figure company. And we brought his team over. So that's really been there, done that. Yeah. The okay. second thing, rule for Lori and I to invest in a startup. The product has to be disruptive. It has to be easy to talk about, right? So that it can go viral. But it has to be in an already rising tide. 
Now, using this second criteria, we would have missed out on the iPhone because that was literally inventing a brand new industry at the same time as inventing a brand new, um, what do you want to call it, uh, a product. Yeah. But for the most part, this rule keeps you safe. This is This rule is what keeps you picking the winners. So if something is disruptive, easy to talk about, but in a rising tide already, in, a, in an industry that already has a lot of momentum, then now you've got the perfect founder and the perfect product. The third rule, if we're going to invest in a startup, is what is their path to capitalization and to an exit? You want to know what kills companies? It's mm. not a bad product. It's not a bad founder. They just run out of money. Yeah. That's it, Mike. They just run out of money. Yeah. The, a good founder and a good product will always be a home run if they don't run out, of, if they can raise capital forever. But you got to know how to raise capital. You have to have the, the network to raise capital. You have to have the, the influence to raise capital. You have to have the access to raise capital. You have to have redundancy in raising capital because you're going to need more than you think, right? So some people will do their seed round and then they're like, uh-oh, need more money. And then they can't raise that, that extra money and the company dies right there on the spot. So they have to be great at raising capital. But then on, on top of that, they have to have a real plan to exit. Mm -hmm. They have to have very likely suitors. Who are you going to sell this company to? Or are you going to IPO? Like, what is your plan to create an exit? Because no one gets paid back if there's not an exit. So that's the third criteria. And then the fourth criteria for us, and this is why we like strategic investors. But the fourth criteria for us is we have to be able to help move the needle somehow. Maybe it's mm -hmm. connections we have. Maybe it's expertise we have. Maybe it's our audience would eat this thing up. But yeah. we have to help move the needle somehow. And when those four pieces are in place, boom, that becomes one out of the five that we bet on every single year. That makes so much sense. And you know what I love about you? I think I've told you this before, but on number three, when we were at Pinehurst that first time and we were out at night golf talking about Elon mm -hmm. Musk, and mm -hmm. I made a comment. I said, well, it must be nice not having to worry about running out of capital. And you looked at me and you said, that sounds like a limiting belief. Yeah. And I was like... It so much is because, I mean, to your point on number three, it's like, and Elon Musk, I mean, obviously he's proven this um, over and over and over. I mean, you just got to keep the capital machine going. It's, it, that's very interesting. But I love you Jeff, because you, you live it. You believe it and you live it. Yep. Jeff Bezos, when he started Amazon, people don't know this, Amazon lost money for 14 years on purpose right? Underpricing everyone else so that they could take over the market. Well, you can't lose money on purpose for 14 years in a row for your first 14 years in business, unless you can raise capital on a consistent basis, right? So first they did privately, then they did publicly through their IPO and, and, and continued on from there. You'll be in business forever if you're, if you are good at raising capital until you finally create that exit. Yeah. That is the, that is the secret sauce to bringing your dreams to life. Yeah. It truly is. Enroll other people's financial support, which automatically enrolls their moral support and their, their connection support and their talent support, right? Because now they have skin in the game. Yeah. Be able to do that forever. And you'll churn out winners all the time. Amazing. I, I want to draw attention, and you've said this multiple times, but what I love about Frello is that two-sided marketplace. You're helping people that need the loans and you're helping people that want to fund those loans. And I think it's going to be, there's a huge opportunity as we were sitting at dinner the other night, just looking at, you know, making the money on, on being able to lend those loans. Like, it's just amazing what you're building. So anything else that you want to touch on? I, again, I, I've, I've got you five minutes over on the time I'm supposed to. So anything else you want to cover? I would just say this, you know, we covered building a network. We covered partnerships, covered raising capital. We covered going after your dreams. I want to end on that one. Anyone who's listened to this, well, first of all, if you're inclined to invest, I'd love to talk to you. Go to Frello app. That's F-R-E-L-L-O. Frello is a friendlier loan, by the way. So go to so FrelloApp.com forward slash invest. FrelloApp.com forward slash invest. Fill out the form and we'll jump on the phone. But aside from that, I want people to listen to this podcast and say, okay, this guy followed a dream that came from a real life interaction. This guy followed a dream in tech that he knows nothing about. So he went out and he found the missing people, the missing parts, the missing team. This guy said, hey, we're going to need a lot of capital because we're building not a little thing here. We're building a big thing here. We're changing banking forever. So he's going out. He's finding the right investors. 
And if this guy can do it, then I can do it too. I want people to start waking up every day saying, all right, I've got some big dreams in the future. Those big dreams are going to require really good people in my life. So today I start building the relationship capital. Today I start looking for how can I solve some challenges and needs for other people with people that I know. And then that will have a snowball compounding effect. And then you're going to start to pair that when you finally get your Opus Magnum, when you get your legacy project, when it comes to you. And now you're going to tap into that relationship capital and you're going to find your partners. You're going to find the money you need. You're going to find everything else. And this is how dreams come to life. Mm. If you study founders, you look at them today and you say, oh, must be nice. They're Jeff Bezos, must be nice. They're, they're Zuckerberg, they're Elon Musk, they're Jamie Kern Lima, they're all these people. But if you go, my favorite stories are founder stories. I only read founder autobiographies because when you go back in the beginning of their journey, you realize they were just like you. They're great, big, audacious, massive companies that solve problems in the world. They started as just individuals like you. So if they can do it, if you learn who they were in the beginning of their story, you realize that you can do it wherever you're at in your story right now. So I, I just hope that this podcast makes people start taking that action, believing that they can do the really big thing because you can. Wow. Well, I don't have anything to add to that other than I freaking love you. I appreciate you. And if there's one thing um, that you've shown me, it's everything you just said. Like I, I, when I'm with you, when I'm around you, when I think about you, I just feel like I can take on the world. So thank you for the way you show up and thank you for being here. Well, I've got to tell you, I only feel like I can take on the world because I've got incredible people in my life like you and you are at the top of that list, buddy. So I love and appreciate you just as much. Cool. Well, thanks for coming. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.